So this is the Ruby on Rails podcast. I'm Jeffrey Grossenbach. It's been a crazy couple of days here in Austin, Texas. Met a lot of people, heard some great panels. Unfortunately, I wasn't able to catch up with Why the Lucky Stiff for an interview, but he promised me that we'll do that in the near future. I did get a bootleg copy of his concert on Tuesday afternoon. The audio quality in this is pretty rough, but I've edited as best as I can and I hope you'll enjoy it.
guess Leonie's favorite animal. <laughs> okay. So uh, what you're doing here is you're running a method on um, a class that, that I've created that's called POEM. And, um, yeah, basically feeding it words that it can then restructure as a poem. Somehow. It was really it was really preparing my sweet, sweet ass there for a while. Um, so um, the idea here is that is that with just a browser you can you know run some code and and fool around with it. And in this setting, you know, I, I don't know how many of you know Ruby, but probably a good degree of you have done some programming if you're here. Um, the idea is is that it that is to shoot for you know maybe a simpler way of instructing and something that's a little bit more immersive you know I mean we have the tools here to go ahead and start you know start building on top of this so you know I mean what I imagine is a class of school kids that opens the browser and they've got a Ruby session running in there and there 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 are a couple college courses that are using this um, this technology. And with the idea that the teacher feeds them lessons through the browser, and they pop up as as you go along, and um, and then the group can can work together on the projector to make you know to make stuff happen. And um, and uh, basically by by. By uh, logging the students' activities and watching their progress, you can, um, you know, work with each student to help them move from one step to the next. So, uh, um, let, me let me ask this: Does anybody have any problems with it? Tell me what what's going on. Okay, are you guys on the one seven two dot one eight net? Well, I mean, maybe I don't know if your IPs show that. What's that? I just see it saying Oh, okay. Or what browser are you in? Yeah. Oh, okay. Wow. Oh, really? It just really likes the Wombat Vengeance poem. Can you blame it? <laughs> oh, my browser's frozen. How do you like that? <laughs> um, yeah, so some kinks. I recently, I recently converted to using Flash because we were using our, our magic before to do it. And so, um, but the Linux Flash, uh, I don't. It seems kind of flaky. I don't know. So, uh, yeah, that that's that's kind of how that works. Okay. So yeah, right now my system is running forty-five different Ruby sessions in order to accomplish this, and it's using about. 300 megs of memory to do so, which I'm hoping to strip down as time goes on, but right now it's a forking server, so basically it grows as it goes along. Every time you add more people, um, the main process that's keeping track of the other ones grows. And I have some ideas for getting it down, but it's actually pretty manageable. Um, I've been running a site at tryruby.hobbix.com that is a, is a Ruby interpreter you can freely access. Some of you may have seen it. But um, it's it's served like four million lines of Ruby code, you know, executed Ruby code, and 
At, at, I think the peak, the, the maximum amount that machine can handle with a gig of memory is 150 sessions. So it's well within reason that, you know, a pretty sizable group, I was actually, I mean, I mean, I, I'm worried about RailsConf that's coming up. It's like a 400 person deal. I don't know, if we'll, I don't know how we'll handle that volume of people, um, but it's still, you know, I think the, the front end here still needs some work, but... Really as cool as an elephant? That's not how it works. 
so here we go. Well, all hopping at once to add some future graces, all of you, kindly, without distaste. It encompasses the shrewd patriot of tradition, skeptics, and it's okay with your militant progress seekers. All in due time, you from the past make a sore point. Why did we invent all these other elephants who defecate MP3s or these like little futuristic wheelchairs for broken transistor radios? Well, I don't know. I mean, if I'm going to keep my schedule down to 40 hours a week, can we just look around and agree that the future is now? Everyone is here. Let it go. Get it together. Just, it feels okay to just roll on. And I just, 
You know, I mean, as we look towards the future, you know, I think we'll come to realize that, you know, that, that those green triangles are, are perfect and pure and we can get along with them just like we do with anybody else, you know? <laughs> One of the things we came here to talk to you about is a kids book that I'm working on that's, that's uh, teaches some kind of program.
basically what happens to these kids is that um, they have uh, an adopted brother who uh, gets into all sorts of mischief, and uh, they they uh, he leaves a computer in their room, and they start tinkering around with it, and they go to other places and stuff like that. And the song right there is uh, they're sort of arguing about whether or not to pursue, you know, the, the adventurous lifestyle. And um, these sort of like stereoscopic images that I've been working on, um, sort of how I envision this thing coming together is basically, you know, like a book sort of, but I don't know if we can do this. I mean, it's just really sort of like, um, you know, like, like, a, like, like a computer. It would be sold as a computer. And on the, on the left-hand side would be the text that could be paged between. And then on the right-hand side would be a console that they could use to, to program on. And, um, you know, these stereoscopic images would replace the console from time to time and just flicker there as they're, telling, as they're reading the story. Just to sort of, you know, play around with what could be done with illustrations and computers, you know, in terms of reading a novel, but still keeping, like, a lot of the, like, you know, a lot of the warm, warmth of reading a book, you know? And um, so I'm releasing this under a license that's non-commercial. The book will never be printed unless someone can come up with the technology to like, create that special book. And um, I guess it really depends on if when the first, you know, when the first pages come out at the end of this month, if, um, if it's attractive to people, you know? I mean, I'm doing my best to really write a story that's compelling and it's not too crazy long and it's still something that you know, the kids would read and sort of, I don't know, it's an experiment, who cares? I, I mean, if it, you know, whatever happens. But, um, you know, I, I don't really want to sell it as a book. You know, I mean, it, it seems like, it seems like, um, you know, do we sit down in the future and, and sort of just, you know, come up with whatever, whatever's the next thing? You know, we came up with, with this programming language, we add, up, add this onto it, and, you know, make little steps forward, or, or do we try something that's completely, you know, try switching around? So it seems far-fetched to create maybe a book computer, but um, I, I'm, I'm hoping that the, that, that the story will be compelling enough that people, kids will want to see it published, you know, and that the technology will be created as a result. I don't know, what do you guys think about that? Yeah. Does yeah. that sound okay? Woo-hoo. Okay. So can one of you come up with one of these books by, like, June? How many? I don't know. As long as we get to do the prototype thing where you invite us into the lab and we have to put on the hard and it's floating there and... If I could get a lab coat from somebody, that'd be great. (laughs) Um, Is there anybody who thinks it's it's sort of a ridiculous idea? And uh, I mean, not ridiculous, but sees flaws or... (laughs) <laughs> yeah, sure. Miss Speakings. Um, so this this uh, this guy that I know, um, he he grew up really loving baby whales, you know, and um, he he had pajamas that had like the baby like the beluga on it. It's like the chubby little whale with this happy little, you know, spout coming out of its blowhole. And he like loved those pajamas, and he loved he had a mobile too, I think, or mobile or 
Um, so like, he, he, uh, he was really into whales, and he wanted to train whales, but you had to climb up the zoological hierarchies. You have to start with smaller animals. And so he got to the orangutan level, and he had these 12 orangutans under his keep. He was still really shooting through the whales. But these 12 orangutans loved him, and they knew everything about him. And he trained them really well. In fact, one day, one year for his birthday, they decided to do something special for him. So they all locked arms, sort of at the elbow, right? You know, got into this shape, and it was the shape of a whale. <laughs> I mean, I was like, stick with whales, man. You were a really good trainer, you know? And, but he was like, he's just lost in this fantasy. So he comes to, he comes to work, 12 orangutans in this whale shape, and they're like, you know, jumping around the pool, and it, it looks like a real whale. He believes it. He's like flipping out. I made it, you know? And like, they feel like they couldn't get out of the pose then because that would sort of ruin the, that would sort of ruin his birthday. And, and, you know, furthermore, they were sort of thinking, what were we trained for anyway? Just to be orangutans and, you know, I mean, here we have something. So, so, you know, he was this, he trained the whale now and just did a great job and his daughter would come by and play with the whale and stuff, but she played a little rough. She would tickle the, you know, the whale and sort of, it made the orangutans lose their concentration and they sort of, you know, they, one day they fell and formed this time portal shape. And the girl fell into the time portal. She was transported back to the year 1313. And um, so, they, they sort of flipped out at that point and they ran away and, and, and he hid and, and, uh, and this guy, Eddie Quilts, he comes into he comes into work and he's looking, you know, where and he looks everywhere and he, he can't find them, you know, they're gone, they're lost, and and it was never resolved for him. I mean the, the orangutans were actually hiding inside the um, the the big the upper cab of the camper, that thing that protrudes over the cab. I mean that's the last place in the world that anybody looks for anything. And they 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 were so you know the whole thing just stayed totally unresolved. I mean, the girl, actually, back in the year 1313, she, she found some cannibals to live with, and she lived like a wild animal, and, you know, she totally forgot about her other life, except that she was able to make a cheesecake out of human flesh.
question that I'm wondering is, we feel very strongly about the code that we're working on and things, and, and it just seems like, it just seems one-dimensional to a degree.